Hey everybody, welcome to the 235 Film Podcast. My name's Brant. And I'm J-Wo. And we're friends from college, now living over a thousand miles apart, but we've kept up with each other through our love for cinema. And each season of this podcast, we're focusing on different topics, be it filmmakers, cinematographers, film composers, or genres. In this season, we're tackling Denis Villeneuve's filmography. J-Wo, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about Blade Runner 2049, the much-anticipated sequel to Ridley Scott's sci-fi darling. We're going to get up close and personal with this one. You might even say, within cells interlinked yep we're back a dinosaur a dinosaur story we're back dinosaur the dinosaur story story. (laughs) i don't know why that happened (laughs) hey brant we're back how you doing man i i I know you went to uh texas to to texas and louisiana a little bit dirty dirty south how how was that good good yeah Yep, it was refreshing. Hot, hot, hot. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. Although I, I'm in Florida, so it's pretty hot down here as well. It's been yeah. hitting like mid 90s every week. Yeah, that's how it was down there too. It's awful. Yep. <laughs> my uh, my parents live on property, and um, they have uh, a bunch of cows that stay out there. So we were making yeah. friends with them. My wife and I went. And we were making friends with them. Uh, down with there. the cows yep it was yeah nice. i saw nala was making friends with them too huh yeah nala loves to nala is my dog your, your dog yeah yep uh she loves to uh chase the cows mm-hmm. yeah she likes to run after them and <laughs> show them who's boss that's fun yeah it's super fun what it, it has been a couple of weeks since we've spoken yeah it's been yeah right about two two weeks or so yeah since we've, we've recorded an episode what's new with you friend um, nothing much, you know, just, uh, living day by day in this lockdown slash reality. I don't know. I don't know what, <laughs> what to even name it anymore. I don't know if we're in a lockdown anymore. I haven't been keeping up to be honest. Right. This is like an inception moment where you're questioning whether you're in life <laughs> or whether you're in lockdown. Yeah, exactly. I, are- I've just been catching up on movies to be honest. I've watched a lot of, uh, some of the stuff that came out late last year that I hadn't gotten a chance to because we were in Europe for our honeymoon. Yeah. Like so, what? Uh, Hit me with them. Um, Let's do some flash reviews. <laughs> <laughs> um, we watched uh, uh, Ford vs. Ferrari. That was pretty good, actually. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I haven't it. seen that one yet, but I've heard good yeah, things. I enjoyed it. Um, what else? I, I watched some of the older uh, Villeneuve stuff, too, that we'll, we'll talk about next week. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty excited to talk about those, actually. But this week, we're talking about Blade Runner 2049. Blade Runner 2049. Uh, yeah. Is it 2049 or 2049? I don't know. Well, yeah. 2049 sounds cooler. Yeah, it's 2049. It's the year year 2049, though. One thing I'd like to point out right in the beginning is that uh, technology has has quite advanced in the next 29 years. Um, From the original film or? uh, From where we are now to 2049. (laughs) Okay. I'm I'm excited to see a world like that, I think. (laughs) <laughs> 29 years I'll be uh, I won't even be 60 yet so I'll be in my prime to live with replicants and uh, you know you, you know off world papers like, I feel like this this film has really uh, given us hope the <laughs> <laughs> hope for sure uh, yeah so uh, have you watched the original I have. I watched. Okay. So there's two original versions. You know, there was a there was the there's original a theatrical version, version and, and then there's the final cut. Yeah. So I I can't remember which one I saw. It's mm. been a while. Ah, shoot. Oh, I probably wow. should have watched it. 
but that's okay. Um, yeah, it's been a while, but I, uh, I think I saw the one with Harrison Ford in it. <laughs> <laughs> Which one was that? The theatrical version? <laughs> Dude, it's funny because, uh, so I haven't, I haven't watched the original in a really long time, probably, I don't know, six or seven years. Um, before I had watched it about six or seven years ago, I hadn't watched it at all. Um, it had always been on my list because I just, as a person who likes movies, I just know that there's, everybody talks about how it has affected, yeah. you know, how it hasn't in, in influenced the sci-fi genre since right. it came out back in the, what was it? The seventies, I think. Yeah. Something like that. It's classics. Yeah. Um, so, so I watched it about six years ago. I was like, I need to watch this. I have to, it's been on my list forever. I got to watch it. So I watched it and I happened to watch the theatrical version. <laughs> Because I don't remember if it was on Netflix or something, but it was a theatrical version and it was, I couldn't, I, I stopped it right away. Like, cause it's just the narration the entire time. You know what I'm talking about? That's what it is. Yeah. I saw the other one. I saw the other okay. one. I didn't yeah. watch that. So I, I watched the theatrical version. Okay. So actually this wasn't seven years ago. This was like so uh, much longer. It was probably 15 years ago when I first started getting into films, I watched the theatrical version and I couldn't right. stand it. And there I was, was like, I don't big... understand how, I don't, I don't understand why people like this movie. I cannot even like understand the dialogue behind this narration. Wasn't there a it big seemed like the narration was going in... on the entire time, even during like the key scenes of dialogue between like Rachel and Deckard. Right. That like there was still narration that Harrison Ford or Deckard was doing about what was going on in that scene. And it's like, I don't understand this. I don't understand this concept. I don't know. I actually, I wish I had looked up to find out if that was like a production thing like the producers wanted it to happen that way the studio wanted it to happen that way because i don't i don't see how ridley scott would have wanted this because it's it was so awful yeah wasn't there a uh <clears throat> wasn't there an uproar when you and i were in school mm. where uh like the remastered or the final cut version of it that wasn't the narration like kicked back up again and it was like I made remember. yeah i think i think it was in um uh, 2012. It might, it might've been, I just don't remember. That's, that's the last time I saw it because I remember uh -huh. my dad had a copy of this and like there were, there were specific like classic sci-fi movies like this mm -hmm. total recall. Um, yeah. Like other stuff like that. And my dad had a copy of the original one and yeah. it was the narration one. And then whenever the final cut thing kicked back up again, that's when I saw Blade Runner for the first time was the mm -hmm. so you didn't actually see the original yeah I I, I I I literally couldn't finish it I got maybe 20 minutes into the film and I just turned it off I couldn't stand it and then I had a my roommate in Oklahoma a couple years ago I was, I was living in Oklahoma and my roommate was like you haven't seen the original you have to see it um so I think this was more, yeah, I think it was more recent that I actually watched the original about two or three years ago and, and I watched it and I really enjoyed it. It was the, the final cut. Right. And uh, without the narration, which I, I don't, anyways, moving yeah. on, moving on. <laughs> I enjoyed, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, but it, it, I don't know. I think I, I can definitely see the, the influences that it, it right. Like one of the ones that I think of the most, like you said, total recall, like I can definitely see influences there. Um, the one with uh, Arnold and then uh, uh, I was thinking fifth element like I could see some oh, of the right some of the influences there um, Terminator even I would say like a little bit um, but yeah 
it's supposed to be an iconic film and i i mean ridley scott really as far as like sci-fi you got you got this you got aliens you know there's so much that he's done for the genre right. in itself that he's a legend he's a legend yeah one thing i uh one thing i didn't realize about this one um 2049 is that the same guy who wrote this wrote the original blade runner as oh, well oh wow yeah <clears throat> which explains a lot to me when i'm looking back on it like structure wise this mm-hmm. this current one that came out when did this come out 2018 2017 2017 this yeah. one feels so much like as far as like story structure goes like mm-hmm. the original did you know like yeah i i think it has that same um uh slow to build nuance mm-hmm. and that yeah. same like noir I agree. kind of sci-fi-esque thing going on yeah i agree i was thinking about that as well like just uh like this the sense that it gives you as you're watching a film feels right. very much like the sense i had when i was watching blade runner yeah like this this very much feels like a blade runner film not just because of the visuals but just the the way it paces itself it takes its time i wouldn't say necessarily that it's boring i think it's uh i remember okay so going back to 2017 when the film came out I watched it and I, I don't know if I was exhausted that day or not, but I fell asleep in the film because I, and I didn't know that I fell asleep in the film. I was telling you about this a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, You said you were driving by a theater at like 2 a.m. or something like that. <laughs> no, that was for Arrival, but for oh. Blade, it's funny that this kind of happens similarly, but I guess I was exhausted that day, but I didn't know I fell asleep in the film because I was watching the film back uh, two weeks ago, I think, and, and there was a scene in there or multiple scenes like one after the other that I was like I don't remember this at all (laughs) so I was like did I fall asleep I must have fallen asleep because I also didn't remember how long this film was oh yeah it's uh I don't remember watching it in theaters I don't remember it being this long it's two hours 45 minutes or something like that it's almost it's almost Irishman length it's very long for for a sci-fi film and like a main uh, like a uh, like a big budget film like this so you you say that long for a sci-fi film and my rebuttal to that is i've actually been thinking about this a lot uh-huh i feel like the length of the film makes it so like classic sci-fi to me if, mm-hmm. if that makes sense like i yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. it's so ethereal in the way that it's like so long and drawn out it makes mm-hmm. me feel like i'm experiencing the vastness of like technological change and mm-hmm. you know flying cars and space travel and stuff like that like I feel like I don't know how to put it into words, but like the length of the movie makes it feel more sci-fi to me. Yeah. Okay. Versus if it, if it all was sped up, I feel like it wouldn't have as big of an impact, but like when they're going through giant rooms and he's walking across like giant barren fields and now the movie is almost three hours long. It's like things feel a little bit more like they're paced properly for right everything that's happening the feeling i got of was of like a, a tension but like almost like an awe-inspiring tension it wasn't like a absolutely like something's about to happen kind of right. tension but it was like a just a thing of like this is it's it's what you were saying about like the the feeling it's the, just the feeling i got from it it wasn't like a boring slowly paced film it was very slow build but coming to terms and giving us that space yeah um to really feel the environment that we're in Everything is super captivating. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, yeah, I think, I think if this was another film that was two hours forty five minutes long, I, I may have called it boring. But like, 
with Roger Deakins at the helm right. as well. Like it's, yeah. it, it really feels like every frame is a painting. I, I, I feel like you can pause this film at almost any given moment. Absolutely. And it's like beautiful. Yeah. It's a I beautiful think, shot. I think if, if, I mean, the color change from uh, planet to planet or I mm-hmm. don't, are they actually planets? I think they're I don't just, think, I don't think so. It's all on earth. Right. We never go off earth and or off world. They call it in isn't this that, film. Isn't that interesting? Now, mm-hmm. like the, his transitions from place to place are so drastic that it makes mm. you feel like it's a different planet, but it's all in the same place. Yeah. But like what I was going to say got, was, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, <laughs> you go. <laughs> you got uh, like this barren like version of the world in, I think it was San Diego. And then you got LA, which is like this like retro futuristic style world that we see mostly in, in the original Blade Runner. And then you have uh, Las Vegas, Las Vegas, which is like, I don't remember if it was a, was it a, nu- an, a nuclear bomb? I think they talk about like, like radioation, uh, radioactive, ra- radioation. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what happened there, but it's got that, that like orange, like, like sunburnt feel to it, you know? Yeah. It's, it's gorgeous. So, yeah, I think there's so much space here for us to, like, see not only different environments that we didn't necessarily see in the first one, but um, and then it, it almost expands on the world. Also, oh, when, yeah. When he spends that time in Wallace's, that's the thing. Every, every unlike, unlike Villeneuve's stuff in the past, which mm-hmm. this might be a stretch to say, but let's think about it. Arrival, mm-hmm. all the same okay. grading type, you know? Right. Enemy yeah. was exactly the same colorscape. Uh, yeah. Prisoners, exactly the same color scape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. They just kept one thing throughout, pretty much. Sicario changed, but I think that's only because of what we're talking about right now, where mm-hmm. we see those barren, uh, barren landscapes. Like mm-hmm. the the reason Sicario's color changed so much was because we were seeing that colorful like sunset and stuff like that. But this one here, I mean, drastic. Wallace's is like, like the enemy esque yellows and then yeah. you've got the oranges on Vegas that barren gray from what was that San mm-hmm. Diego you said yeah I think so where uh, Dave Bautista was no 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 the when he goes to the orphanage that's that whole scene when oh, he where, gets stricken down in the, in the, in the car where was um, where was Dave Bautista what was that yeah I don't know we, they never I don't think they ever put a location to that space specifically that's so funny to me because that's like the most important place <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I agree. And then it snowed at the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we see so much, and I think that's how they're able to keep us captivated for the three hours, is because it's constantly changing, grading yeah. landscape, and everything has its like tag. Like I feel like when we see those yellows and that kind of like uh, arguably incredible reflection off the water type thing in Wallace's scenes, mm-hmm. I feel like that's like. Now we know that this is a Wallace scene, you know, like I feel like the grading right, was right, intentional right. to like put a, a, a time stamp or like a, a yeah. mental like uh, spot in our mind to know where yeah, we are yeah. in the film. It's very identifiable each each area. Pretty Absolutely. Much. Yeah. Um, I thought, yeah, visually, this film is striking. It's striking. If we want to talk, talk about like the technical terms or the technical areas of this film. Visually, it's super striking. The the soundtrack is incredible as well. Oh Hans Zimmer again. I mean, Whoa. you can't you you don't think it's going to be anything less, right? Talk about a powerhouse, am I right? <laughs> um, what do you think about the the acting? Uh, so uh, 
go ahead. I don't know if we've talked about this on the show before, but I know that you have some pretty strong feelings about Timothy Chalamet um, <laughs> and his uh, like stoicism <laughs> of sorts. Yeah. Um, I feel like Ryan Gosling kind of has the same thing. I, um, I can agree to that. Yeah. Uh, actually, now that I think about it, Ryan Gosling and Timothy Chalamet look really similar. <laughs> they might be related. Oh, who knows? Uh, but I think, um, I think, I think Ryan Gosling was a good choice for that mm. role. No, yeah, I he's. I mean, you know, I think he gives a uh, grounded um, android feel to the to yeah. the thing. You know, yeah, and he. he I think he acts, he has enough like in his eyes and in his presence right. that can give like this kind of like internal turmoil right. kind of feel to, to the character. So I think he works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought the, the gal who played love did a really yeah. good job. Same. I enjoyed that. A Jared lot. Leto. Yeah. This is the role he was made for. Oh my gosh. I feel like this it, is interesting. I, I don't think Jared Leto did a bad job, but I think. I think that the character is a little bit useless. Like, I understand why he's there. There's a reason for him to be there. We need to have a character that kind of is running things behind the scenes. But um, I I didn't like the fact that, like, towards the end, we he talks to Deckard and is trying to get information from Deckard in return for giving him a replicant of uh, Rachel. Yeah. But, you know, he turns him down, right? She doesn't have the green eyes or whatever. But he basically is turning him down, like that's long gone you can't recreate rachel right? right the memories that she had and all that stuff so uh he s- sends him off world to be tortured to get information out of him and then we never hear or see from him again deckard yeah no uh, uh wallace yeah yeah i like I, I i didn't like that i wish there was like a little bit more to that or i i don't know i agree i agree yeah Definitely, it, I may I may be totally wrong. I don't know, no, but I think in that 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 sector of the film, the Wallace sector, love was the main character. I, I mean, she wasn't supposed no, to. No, yeah, I agree. But I agree. she was the one that we saw the most of and had the most impact I agree. because, I mean, at the end, yeah, right when they're out in the water or whatever, it's obvious mm-hmm. that she was invested in. Anyway, right. I um, we'll talk more about her later because I I have some strong feelings about her character. Oh my gosh! But, um, I'm so excited. As far as Jared Leto uh, acting, uh, I'm not saying he has terrible acting. I I just I feel like I was watching a video about this the other day actually about Jared Leto specifically in this film and how like uh, I think the person I can't remember who wrote who whose video it was but. Um, uh, the person said, "Like it in this film, it seems like Jared Leto is reading off of entirely different scr- part of the script. Every time somebody is like, and when Love is talking to him or he's talking with Love, it's like she's she's on like the part, the page of the script that we're supposed to be on, and he's reading a completely different part of the script. Well, he's, like he's it, blind, it, it, <laughs> so he's not even reading so at all. He might have just gotten on the wrong page. <laughs> we need to give him a little break. <laughs> so it's just like." It, it, I, I almost feel like, okay, so obviously his character has this, like, God complex to him, right? Like, he thinks he can create yeah. this thing, which is similar to the Tyrell though. character right. back in, in the original. But in this, so much more so, and he's so much more, like, I don't know, theatrical in his way. Uh, like, his speaking, everything is, like, uh, like he's better than... It just feels... I understand that the character... I, don't, I, I just think he goes a little bit overboard. Maybe. 
that it kind of right. like throws me off. It just feels you a little bit but, so frustrated. But, <laughs> but at the same time, I think it works because, like, I highly dislike his character, which is the point of the movie, right? And at this point, I or so, his yeah. character, it's the point of his character. So I, at the I same time, with- like, I think it works. I think he he does good enough. I think it just kind of I could I think it could have been a little bit more like nuanced or toned down a little bit. Yeah, that makes sense. Maybe maybe they toned it down for you by just not showing him for the majority of the movie. <laughs> Thank you, thank uh, you, Denny. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I do agree that that now that I think about it, I I gotta be honest. I've seen this movie twice now, and mm-hmm. both times I watched it in bits. I mean, I wasn't okay. able to sit down and watch the whole thing all at once. But um, <laughs> but uh, I agree. Um, what do we see Wallace two or three times total? Two, three. Yeah, three, maybe four times. I don't know. Did you watch the uh, short films that came before the movie? No. What? Yeah, so there's three little shorts be- before the movie. One is is based in uh, 2022. Um, and it's what? a Yeah, it's a little like anime short. Um, and then the uh, second one is in like 36, 2036. And then the other one is the year before, so 2048. It's pretty interesting. It gives you a little bit more back backstory. So, like, the first one is about the blackout that they reference to in the in the film. Oh, right. That wipes out like all of the data, basically. So, like, they don't know who replicants are anymore. And then the second one is about um, it's about Wallace and like he's trying. So basically, replicants were outlawed, and Wallace is trying to bring replicants back. And so he's talking to like some kind of council members or whatever. And he brings a replicant with him that they don't know is a replicant. Like he created this replicant and he just basically proves to them that this replicant will obey no matter what. Like it's a, it's a replicant. It's not like the previous replicants, like the Nexus eight or Nexus six or whatever, who, um, have some sort of free will. Right. So this, this, uh, new replicant is a, is a replicant who will obey no matter what. So like basically he forces, he tells the replicant, like you have a choice, uh, me or, or you. So basically the replica kills himself because he's not going to disobey his or not won't be disloyal to his master, basically. So it's it's all little themes that we see throughout the film, but it just kind of expands a little bit more on the history and the story behind it. Um, and then the third one is about Morton, Morton uh, Sapper Morton, which is uh, Dave Batista's character. Yeah. Uh, and it's the year before this happens. So it's basically uh, him. He's, you know, he's keeping a low profile, right? And uh, he gets to know some people. He, like, goes into uh, L.A. to... So, like, he's farming, right, in the beginning of the film. Yeah, grubs. And so, basically, he's uh, going into L.A. to, like, trade. And while he's there, he ends up having, like, this kind of relationship with this little girl and her mother. um, As in, like, just friendship kind of thing. And while he's in L.A. in this short film, they're getting, like, bullied by these guys, and he kills them all, basically. And oh, he my runs gosh. away, and some paper falls out of his backpack or something, and somebody tells the LAPD that they think this guy's a replicant. And oh. that's why the film oh. picks up with... Oh, my gosh. ...with Kay going to Morton, Shut uh, Samper with Morton's. Yep. I got to find that now. Yeah, it's all on YouTube. It's really easy. I think the first one's 15 minutes long. The other two are like five or six minutes long. So yeah. it's super short. And it's Dave Bautista in the last one? Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Incredible. Um, so we were talking about acting. 
Yeah, so uh, I mostly wanted to talk about Harrison Ford because I feel like for the second half of his career, he's been playing the same character, the grumpy old man. Yeah. Um, which uh, I think this is his best version of that because yeah. I don't see much. I feel like Harrison Ford is one of those actors who puts a lot of himself in his roles. Yeah. Um, and here I didn't feel that as much. Like I felt like this is more Deckard really. Like right. I, I didn't really feel like there was, he was as grumpy as Harrison Ford really is. I feel like right. if I were to meet Harrison Ford in real, per, in real life, he would be like, get the fuck out of my way. You no, know? no, 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 <laughs> no, no way. Harrison Ford's a sweet, sweet man. I know that he is deep inside. Have you met him? No, I haven't, but I don't want to, I don't want to have a, a negative influence <laughs> when I do. <laughs> No, Harrison Ford. Anyway, I, I I enjoyed Wilson Harrison Ford in this. I I do wish that like first. I mean, if you look at the posters, right? It was like I'm pretty sure he was billed as like a co-star. He's not really a co-star in this no. film. Like he's all the way at the end of the film. Yeah. Like you see yeah. him for a little bit. Right. There's the whole scene where he's sitting with Wallace. He barely talks. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. But but I I do enjoy uh, him in this film. I thought he was good. Yeah, I thought he was good too. Hey, that uh that speaking of when we first meet Harrison Ford in the mm-hmm. in the film Deckard, uh that mm-hmm. scene where they're fighting in the uh, the entertainment room. Yeah. I thought that was so good. Super good, yeah. yeah I love that. I, I one thing I really liked about it was that there was no score behind it. So uh, yeah. whenever the the like projection show would cut out, it would be completely silent. So Sil- like, yeah, oh yeah. my gosh, it, th- I feel like they did a really good job of building suspense in that. Yeah, I like that. I've seen other people have done fight scenes like that before. You know, where it's like they're fighting in a, ro- a roller rink or something, and the strobe lights <laughs> are breaking or something. And right, right, you right. know, or mm-hmm. like, uh, isn't there a scene in Old Boy where there's like a strobe light and he's like bouncing around? And he like there might be cuts everyone's heads I, it's off. It's been a while something. since I watched that. Um, I thought that was really good. Hey, uh, mm-hmm. Robin Robin Wright's character is probably my least favorite character in the whole movie. <laughs> um, I thought it was funny that like there's that whole scene where she's in Kay's apartment and she's yeah. basically like asking him to, for sexual favors. Yeah. What? <laughs> and <laughs> did you not feel that vibe? That's what absolutely. it felt like to me. Yeah, absolutely, I did. That was so <laughs> and weird. Then, and then I was like, when did the whole Kevin Spacey thing come out again? That he was like a sexual predator because <laughs> right. it seems very fitting. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't like. Uh, I didn't like that. I didn't like. I didn't like her character really. Yeah, I don't think we were supposed to like her characters. So I think it. I yeah. think it worked. It, yeah. it felt a little weird that she was such a major actor playing right. that role, though. Yeah, but um, think about it. We got a bunch of big mad. name players. Dave Bautista. He played a big role. And then we've got a uh, big role to the story, <laughs> but a small role in general, right? Yeah. Um, Jared Leto. You know, he played a smaller role. I guess mm-hmm. he's not really a, I, I guess he's not really a big actor. He's more of a, he's more of a B, I guess. I, you know who I liked in this film a lot? It was uh, Mackenzie Davis. Huh? Who? Huh? Who? What? <laughs> Mackenzie Davis. Oh, yeah. I thought, I thought she did really well. Um, aside from that one scene in, in their apartment, I, I felt like that scene might have, I understand the reason for that scene. Yeah. Didn't really um, land. Between her and Joy, yeah, uh, and being, for lack of a better term, interlinked, yeah. Um, but um, it it just seemed like a it could have been a little shorter. Yeah, I don't know. It it, it didn't seem 
I don't know if it seemed maybe it was at a place that it kind of felt a little weird because like honestly he's that was right after the scene that he goes into uh, what's her name Lieutenant Joshi's and she's basically telling him I'm gonna give you like a day or two days or something like that before she calls it in that he needs to get picked up or whatever. Are you talking about Madam? And then he goes, huh? Madam? I didn't know she had a real name. Yeah. Oh yeah, Lieutenant Joshi I think is her name. Really? Um wow. So so like. <laughs> madam so well, so he goes to his apartment and then he has sex with a prostitute <laughs> like wow like wait, he's not he's not on the run anymore and then he has coffee afterwards and then joey joy's asking him about uh about what's going on and he's like i don't have much time before they come for me while he's drinking coffee <laughs> like, <laughs> like get on your ass let's go get up let's go <laughs> but i'm gonna have this coffee first <laughs> yeah. yeah um no that's interesting uh I, I think there's got to be more there because um, I I felt it was kind of weird that what you uh, that gal uh, what's her name in the movie I don't remember her oh, name in the in the shit. film but the uh, Mackenzie Davis yeah um, I, the, there had to be something else to that because yeah she wasn't working for Wallace right she was in the resistance or whatever right so yeah. There had to be a there had to be a reason that that happened that way because I, if, well, if uh, there's not then it doesn't really make sense to me that she like because Joy said mm-hmm. like said that she asked her to come up you know right what I mean? yeah the the movie leads you to believe that Joy was but, there when they first interacted and that she realized that he kind of had an affection for her or whatever but at the same time she was playing a double role because she also dropped that little tracking bead or whatever in his pocket right so right. i don't know that's not really meshing with me. yeah it's it's i feel like it's plot convenience right yeah but at at the same time um like i understand the reason for that scene being there there's a whole subplot with like love right between a computer basically which i feel like her spike jones her has a does a much better and in-depth yeah uh look at that kind of theme i do too um so so I I don't blame him for putting that there because it also what I what I enjoy about the joy character and like the love character is that it's the questions that are being asked of those characters I feel like is the same question that's being asked of K like does he have a soul even though he is not human you know what I mean Yeah That um yeah go ahead go ahead Well I don't know if we're getting off into that but that's something I find very unique is that like the whole film is built around that concept, you know, does he have a, a mm-hmm. soul? Yeah, um, like what does it mean to be human? Right. Yeah. And at the end, it's obvious that we find out that he does, you know, like he has a he has some sort of a clear understanding right. of right. humanic emotion. I find that super interesting because like love, for instance, I, I don't think we ever see that from her. I think we just see her as kind of like a... Um, I... I I don't know. I question that. Question. Question it, please. Yeah. So um, there's that scene where she cries, where she cries when the it's basically like, quote, for lack of a better term, the birth of the uh, replicant. Right. That scene with the birth of the replicant where she cries, she like lets a tear go down. And I feel like that's sort of like. Uh, like towards the end of that scene, you see um, Wallace walking away, but his his mechanical eye thing that flies or whatever hovers is like looking at her, yeah. watching her. And yeah. she's just like very stoic. Like when he walks into that room or like when she, he, she kind of like wipes away that tear to like to not let him 
see. So, I mean, if I feel like there is a question to her character, like what is her reason for doing the things that she does in this film? Like we see that she wants to find the child, right? Uh, but we also hear Wallace telling her to find the child. But is she doing that just because Wallace is telling her to do it? Or is she doing it because she believes that maybe bringing this child back and like showing the child will bring like liberation to the replicants? Maybe that's what she wants as well. Yeah. You know, maybe she because I, I think. Uh, OK, so my question here, right, is that, uh, for example, um I feel like we're going to get real deep here. <laughs> I love it. Let's do it. It's a deep so, movie. I, 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 yeah. I think which uh, upon can, second viewing, yeah, I realized that in the first viewing, absolutely. I thought it was just like, this is a cool re like a second uh, sequel to a cool movie. And when, <laughs> you I, know? when I, I, I don't know if you remember, but I spoke to you on the phone about it a little less than a week uh -huh. ago. And yeah. when I, when I spoke to you about it, I, I was just like finishing it for the first time and I was super frustrated at how long it was, mm -hmm. but yeah. I watched it again. And then I realized it's like, very layered and it's very oh, yeah. very deep and i think mm -hmm. again back to the length and the like the the structure and the pacing of the film all leads mm -hmm. to that that it's supposed to be like this gaping hole that you look into you know what i mean like it's supposed to right. be so much bigger and feel so much bigger than the viewer you know yeah go ahead i okay so I don't even know where to start. I'm give me a second to gather my thoughts. <laughs> I'm just it, like I just don't know if Love is like trying to like please Wallace or does she have like an uh, like ulterior motive? You know, yeah. like so we see her crying at a point, but then she becomes stoic in front of him. At the end, but I, when they're fighting, she was saying about the. She was saying. She was saying that. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. This is when she was talking to Lieutenant... Jo what'd you call her? Jobit? Jobit? Joshi, Joshi. Yeah. <laughs> she talks about, like, you guys think we, we don't lie. And then she basically says that she's going to tell them that, like, that she tried to kill her first. Like, so no, she well, can before, lie. She's not before just... Before that, she was like... She she was she got super frustrated when the lieutenant mm -hmm. told her that the child was dead. Right. And she got very, very... Uh, emotional about that yeah so she's attached to this whole to subject it's not just uh, to uh, right. right it's not just like a, a chore to her and she's not just doing this because wallace told her to do it that's, some other that's point, the feeling i get yeah at some other point in the movie somebody references the idea that the child was going to change things forever and like yeah like finding the child was paving a new way for replicants so right i think probably uh, I think it was Joshi that was saying that. Yeah, probably the birth of that child is also the the idea of that that soul being found. Right. Like so right. maybe maybe that was her saying like maybe love is saying I long to have this. Like I I long to have mm -hmm. uh feeling right. and understanding and uh a right. soul because uh, K also says that he he like longed to feel human. Didn't he say that? Somebody said at some point in the film, a replicant said that that they long to feel human emotions and feel what it's like mm -hmm. to be. I don't remember. I don't remember who exactly. It might have been Joy or something. Yeah, maybe. 
I, I'm just not like I think there there's an ambiguity to the character of love, which I love. I do too. <laughs> I really um, like that because like I'm just not sure. Like I'm not. I, 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 in fact, I'm I'm not so sure that love and K or the resistance for that matter are entirely on opposite sides. Like really, I think if she wants liberation for herself, she's also looking for liberation for the entire replicant species, right? Right. In a sense, if you really if you really stop and thinking about it, right. think about it. Because well, I think yeah. like I think here's here's a question, right? So. There's a scene when Kay is in the lieutenant's office and she says, you've been doing all right without one. She's talking about the right, soul. Exactly. Right before that, he had mentioned that, like, I think she asked him, like, how does he do it or something like that? Like, or actually even, I, I don't remember who says this, but it, basically Kay's um, job is to kill his own, right? He's hunting his own, even though they're previous versions of the replicants. It's still his own. They're replicants. So... He's killing his own, and somebody, I think it was Lieutenant, that asked him, uh, the Lieutenant Joshi asked him how he can do it, and he, I, I believe he said, like, uh, because souls souls are born or something like that. Right. Being born gives you a soul or right. something like that. Yep. Um, so I think that specifically, that thought, if you follow that thought across the, the film, I feel like that's a theme that's trying to be broken in the film. Like are souls be like right. is born equal have to having a soul or can you like conjure up a soul over time over memories over moments that that happen right to you so that's so if you bring that into um, love uh, I feel like she I, f I feel like she has developed a soul and ends up hating Wallace you know he ends up hating her own creator. And is trying to find a way out in the sense, even though she's doing what he's telling her to do, what he's telling her to do also serves her purpose. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if we're we're really going to get deep here, right? I said earlier, like, I feel like being human means having like a point of direction, right? Like towards something or someone other than like oneself. Right. Like, be it a sense of like meaning uh, or towards maybe like another human being. Like, for example, if you're a religious or a spiritual person, your your purpose would be found in like this otherworldly being or God or whatever, right? Uh, and if you're not a religious person, your purpose your purpose maybe could be like towards helping someone or giving yourself sure. over to like a cause or something right. like that, or like serving somebody, loving someone, whatever, whatever you want to make it, right? But in a sense, like everybody's got a purpose. If you don't have a purpose, you're just sitting around doing nothing. You're not really you're you're less than human. You might be human, like born human, but you're really less than human. You're just like wasting away. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so we're, <laughs> we're getting deep here. I love it. <laughs> so I think uh, K being a manufactured replicant, he's not human. He doesn't have a soul. But could it be that by loving joy? Even though this is a manufactured uh, love, right? Like it's they're both manufactured. It's is it real love or not? Like it's love. I feel like it's love no matter what. Like he's loving Joy. Joy is also loving him. Even though I think Joy is a bit of a complicated character because I feel like Joy is maybe a reflection of who she's serving, right? Because she's 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 got a specific like coding or whatever that like she is there to serve the person that right. Because yeah. I think. I think originally she is technically like a sex worker oh. hologram thing or whatever, right? Yeah. That's that's what we see from like the, all the advertisements that we yeah. see of this joy. <laughs> right. I don't think the end thing. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> so I think the joy character is a little bit more, um, even more nuanced because she says, I love you right before she's killed. But it's like, can she really love or is she just like reflecting what Kay is giving her? You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe. May yeah. 
Maybe. But going going back to Kay, like he's giving himself over to a cause, whether it's to like save Deckard from I feel like it's both the resistance, because the resistance wants to kill him because he's got information, but also from Wallace, right? Because of the information itself. So he's trying to save Deckard, like reunite him with his daughter. And he's got all these little things that he's choosing outside of himself. And I feel like in that he's choosing a cause. He's he's creating this pointed focus towards something other than himself. He's So in that way, I feel like he's creating a soul within himself. Right. Which, Maybe to the point of being even more than human because he's not a human. I find that super interesting also that you mm-hmm. say all of that because one thing that stood out to me with him being a replicant and you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're uh, monologue uh, of, of sorts about <laughs> soul finding. Um, yeah. <laughs> is that it was a selfish journey for him in the beginning. At first, yeah. But it was so easy. I mean, obviously not easy, but it was so uh, second nature for him to say, all right, this isn't me, but I found who it it is. And right. like, I know the connection. And it was to the point where Deckard said, why do you care about me so much? Like, why, right. why right. are you so invested or why do you feel so strongly about this? So I agree. Like, and maybe it is what you're saying. Maybe it is, uh, Kay exercising his ability to love for so long that mm-hmm. causes him to grow. I mean, not grow a soul. But I think like, it's even more than that. I think it's like, so I think that technically I think he's like, fighting within himself right especially in the beginning because he's he's sort of has like this selfish concept that he is different he's the he's the one that was born right right? um and he's trying to search that out which i mean it that in itself i feel like is already him breaking his mold because he's supposed to be obeying he's the new version of the replicant and that's what he should be obeying no matter what yeah right um but he does go off. He even like keeps secrets. He goes off to like San Diego to search for that orphanage and doesn't tell the his lieutenant what he's doing. And then they end up taking him in. Like he goes to see the the memory maker without telling her what he's doing. And then she brings him in. Like he's arrested. And then he's totally out of whack in his little session to see his baseline. Or he's whatever. off baseline. Yeah, totally, totally, totally off baseline. Off baseline which I think, <laughs> <laughs> which I think, those things are so cool, dude. dude like, I, I love agree. that. I, I, there are certain things I hear in life. This is such a young boy thing to say that I want to make my <laughs> ringtone and like the baseline <laughs> run through thing is one of those things that I would like to interlinked, turn, interlinked. Yeah, I would like to turn on my computer within in the morning and my computer start running me through my baseline. <laughs> what does it feel to hold the hand of someone you love? Interlinked, interlinked. <laughs> when you are off duty do they keep you in a little box cells cells oh my gosh <laughs> within cells right. interlinked <laughs> within cells interlinked yeah yep um, that's cool <laughs> i i man there's so much like ambiguity in this film which i love because if it didn't have this ambiguity we wouldn't be having this discussion really right you know what i mean yeah which is why i think there's there's so much to this film i honestly it, it comes down to like uh, upon second watch like the first time I watched it, like I said, like I was watching it just as like, this is going to be a cool like sequel, hopefully, you know, like can't wait to like see all this Ryan Gosling kick ass or whatever. But like, I think I, I mean, I'm going out on a limb here. This may be better than the original. I, I think I agree because it, I feel like it really expands on the themes of the original. I would go as far as saying that it does the theme more justice. Yeah. Because it explores it to greater depths and like 
gives us more characters, more questions, and you know, upon that theme, like it just, I think it just builds upon it so far much, much more than the original does. Yeah, I agree. I uh, there's a lot of things I really, really appreciate about this movie. Yeah. Um, I think it doesn't carry as much weight for you and I as it would for somebody like my parents to mm-hmm. like watch the first Blade Runner. Like you and I can right, watch it nostalgia. Now. Yeah, and also like what it came out in the seventies. Mm-hmm. This was unheard of. Like, right, so, right. So you and I can watch it now, and and as much as you and I would love to say that we. Uh, don't take that for granted and we watch it with fresh eyes trying to understand mm-hmm. the time that it came out we can't really ever you right. know so like i feel like for us blade runner 2049 is the blade runner that our parents saw you know like yeah i could see what you what you're trying to say i feel like i feel like the people in that generation probably felt the exact same way which to me for the guy who wrote it, I can't remember his name. That is such skill. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think for him to be able to make such an impactful film in the seventies and then yeah. make a second like addition to that. And it be so impactful for, pe- for people like you and I now that have been inundated in the last 20 years yeah. with such like film mountains that have been climbed and like things that have been invented and experienced on screen for us to be sitting here talking about this, like, like this, like such a Mm -hmm. deep discussion. I think it's skill, you know, like 50 years later to be able to make something so impactful. Yeah. There's a lot to love about. I, I, I really enjoyed that. This film is very, um, it can hold its own. Like, I don't think you necessarily need to watch the original to understand what's going on in this one. No, it, it helps the, for sure. The only thing is the resistance thing. I, right. I think, yeah, I think yeah, if you yeah. didn't see the original, you'd have no idea. Mackenzie Davis, you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd have no idea what her character is doing. You'd have no yeah, idea true. why she rescued him. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing. That's the only thing I see. And Deckard wouldn't hold as much weight for people. You know, like that's yeah, that's true. We were really like and for first watch, if you're watching it, you I mean, there's a chance you wouldn't think that Deckard would ever be in the movie. You know, you you they show yeah. the one recording between him and Rachel yeah. and then after that or not Yeah, him and Rachel, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but it, like it's not a, a surefire thing that we're gonna see him. That's just mm-hmm. like his mention or whatever. But the only that's the only downfall for me is that, like I was saying, if if I didn't see the original, I wouldn't know what the resistance was or or, or what they right. were fighting towards. I I think there's a lot of little flaws in this film, but I think they're just that there's they're so small that I don't think it really affects. But like if I can name a few like, um. We're supposed to question with K whether he's right. born or if he's a replicant. Right. But like there's little moments throughout the film, especially in the first half, where he catches little details that like a normal person wouldn't. Like that little key on the like he's just sitting in that that apartment and when he went back to uh Sap- Sapper's apartment. Yeah. He's sitting there for like ever and then he notices that the keys something's wrong with the key on the piano. You know, like you wouldn't really notice that or 
when he sits in the beginning of the film after he kills Morton, he goes and sits in the uh, Sapper Morton. He kills Sapper Morton and he sits inside the uh, the uh, car and the lieutenant's telling him, yeah. like, come back to base. Yeah. And he's like, give me a second. And then he gets out of the car and sees that flower yeah. and then, like, thinks, you know what I mean? Like, that, all these little details that, that he catches. That me a little bit. So I think all of those things, uh, another example is when he's, he's going to find Decker and he walks into the building and then he sees the 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 little uh, line that he steps over instead of like stepping through it. That makes sense to me. It makes sense to a certain extent, but like it's little details that you, that he's catching that a normal person might not, you know what I mean? Well, that's his purpose. Like that specifically, his purpose is to like, yeah, yeah, that people. one. Okay, that one that can one make makes more sense. sense. To me. And I question but the other two, the, like, I, I how are you going to find no, a little? Th- that's so stupid. I completely agree. Maybe, maybe even the key on the piano makes sense because it's his job to like identify. Uh, I don't know. Maybe this makes sense for everything. But yeah, but come on, he's sitting no. on that little sofa. The first thing he's identifies is the first thing that like gives him a clue. Right. Like that's you know what I'm what saying? Like so me. plot convenience. So it's like and I don't think the it, same thing with McKinsey. I don't think Davis. it's plot convenience though. I think it's like it's it's I think it's little details showing us that hey, he isn't human. This dude is a replicant. But like we're overlooking it because we're finding all these little evidences or what we think is evidence of him being human. Oh, you know what I mean? I think that's a stretch. I don't think so. I think, I think it is. It's, I think those details are there for a reason. Maybe. Uh, they may not be. No, they may no not be. you might be right, but but I I could also be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I I agree. Like, it could be one of two things. It could be it could be just sloppy writing, mm-hmm. and it, like he needed to get to the next portion of it. But. I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe they are there for a reason, and those things are shown to us in the beginning before we even get overwhelmed with the idea that that yeah. K might be human. And then yeah. we, I as think, viewers, I think just those, don't care to think back to it. Right. I think it's that. I think it's like we have little things, that little details that like tell us that hey, he's not human. But then we get this overwhelming sense, just like he does. Because let's think about it. If, for example, when he starts to question, like when he's in that little observatory and he's reading all that code or whatever. Yeah. Um. He's that's when he really starts to question whether he is or he isn't when he finds that little evidence about like the the girl and the boy or whatever right. the twins even though there was no twins ever um he really starts to question thinking that like maybe he is human but come on he's been working at one of the highest levels right he he's there to like kill and replicants like he's been working in this government facility he could track back his his files or whatever like if he was human how would he had ended up there like he's a replicant he was put there with a reason you know he wasn't uh born and then matured went through school went through this thing and then became a detective or whatever you know what i mean like he could go back and find if you wanted to but it's just like this thing is so overwhelming to him right. in the moment yeah that none of the other evidence matters there's like evidence that he may be human and that like this thing he's been living may be alive maybe he does have a soul maybe you know what i mean yeah so i think we're also going on that experience with him i think that we're like the details that we saw before that make him um not human we're like totally throwing that out the window because oh my right. god he may be human you yeah, know what i mean and, so i think i think it really works to the benefit of the story the resistance said that too like when when they found him and yeah. and he was like reacting emotionally to the fact that it wasn't right. him they said right. we all wish it was us you know yeah so uh, i guess that that kind of leads to the idea that which i guess based on your 
like thought about those those points in the beginning, the plot worked for yeah, us I think to, so too. to follow along with Kay and be so overwhelmed by this concept with him that yeah. we just like he forget the 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 points in life that make him a replicant, you know? Mm-hmm. I, that's, yeah, I agree. Maybe that's really skillful. Or maybe I think it's just it, sloppy. Who knows? No, I think you know? it was good. I think the only part that's really that I feel a little bit sloppy is like when he first goes to Dr. Anna, the girl, the lady making the memories, yeah. the actual child of Deckard and Rachel. Um, she he, she looks at his memory and then she's like tearing up and says, this is a real memory. This really happened. And then he like he's tripping out on the other side of the glass, like thinking it's him. Why didn't she just say something right there? Well, like it's me. Yeah. But I guess she could be afraid yeah. of like because she said earlier in that scene that it's illegal to use real memories yeah. and, in replicants or whatever. And she, um, in that moment, I, I think I think everything was set up leading up to that for us to not be able to assume that it was her. You know. Right. Because right, right. she said a little earlier in that room that that. The, the way she knows whether a, a memory is real or not is based on feeling like like yeah, she doesn't yeah. she doesn't make them she feels the memories you know mm-hmm. so it made sense that she was watching it and crying because they set that up for us to know yeah. that she feels about her memories or whatever yeah yeah but yeah i mean no I, yeah i really enjoy this film it, if i had if i had six thumbs i'd give all six <laughs> of them Here's here's a question before we wrap up. Um, before Denis Villeneuve was uh, attached to this project, um, Ridley Scott actually came on board to direct this. Yeah. Before he like his contractual agreements with like the Prometheus or Covenant or whatever right. I think it was Alien Covenant came. Yeah. And he had to drop out. But how do you feel if Ridley Scott had no, done this? I think that. I think that this wouldn't have had as much of an impact based on, based on seeing Ridley's uh, more recent stuff like Prometheus <laughs> and Alien Covenant. Um, yeah, I think that I think that Denny Villeneuve is the Ridley Scott that was then for this movie mm. now. Like, yeah, I think that, I could. I I think I agree with you there. I think Ridley Scott's recent uh, filmography, especially the Alien prequels yeah um prometheus and alien covenant i think he was um trying to experiment and develop themes in those films that were you know high level themes that i think were really good but i think he faltered in delivering on them yeah so I think I think it might have he might have ruined this film. Yeah, I, <laughs> in the sense of like it had high hopes and it had really eloquent themes and things like that, but I don't think he would have delivered as well as Villeneuve has. I agree, I agree. Hey, we yeah. should. Uh, wow, let's think about all the films that we've talked about. Yeah, this guy is just dropping gold left and right. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, I don't think he's made a bad film. No. I, I, so I've recently been watching some of his earlier stuff, even his early stuff, dude. Yeah. I mean, what well, we watched I, Incendies, and Incendies was absolutely insane and that, incredible. That was like his I first think it's feature film, right? Or no? I guess Polytechnique. No, no, no he's got. He has a, 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 I think three before that, but still, like. Uh, We'll talk more about yeah. I think we should we should save this conversation for next week's episode okay, okay, when we okay, talk okay, about okay. his early films. <laughs> okay, um, because there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, that gets me hyped. That gets me hyped. Yeah, me too.
Hey everyone, JWoww here. Thanks for joining us on our continued look through all of the films of Denis Villeneuve. As you could tell, we are very excited for next week's episode where we explore Villeneuve's early work with films such as Polytechnique and Ansandi. If you liked what you heard, make sure to subscribe and give us a rating. That would really help us out. Also, we'd love to hear your take. To be involved in the broader discussions of these films, check us out on Instagram and Twitter at 2 underscore 35 media. We'll see you there. Thank you.